Jesus. Balloons. Balloons. Really? Again? Huh? Balloons again, yeah. We're doing a show on balloons. Yeah. Clown yeah, balloons. Yeah. <coughs> what do you want to talk about? What's, uh, is there something going on that I don't know about? What's going on? Balloon? What are you talking about? Balloons. Is this nonsense? What kind of nonsense are you talking about? I couldn't get any more nonsense. Last week we had a show because the U.S. Air Force shot down a balloon. A balloon. A balloon off the Atlantic coast that across the United States. Mm. This week there have been two more of these things shot down. Supposedly. Supposedly. Whatever they are. That's what they're officially saying. It's a bit ambiguous. Plus a third one of something that required jets scrambled in Montana. So I mm, heard something, yeah. I heard something, and then it's a, and people the, like, and it, then the Chinese, the Chinese, the Chinese are uh, worried about something over their airspace. Where is it? Um, That's today. Yeah, Global Times reports that um, fishermen have been warned in in King near Qingdao, Qingdao, I think it is in the northeast, basically coastal China, um, to expect possibly an object. That shouldn't be there. Is going to be shot down sometime today, right? Did they say balloon? I'm not sure. I have the I have the exact tweet is from Global Times, which is kind of a Chinese state outlet. <clears throat> but but that's that's the latest news. I think we should go in sequence with like. Well, yeah, just include that though as uh, yeah, as something that uh, that happened. Yeah. Yeah, so this begins, I suppose, with Alaska. Friday, um, Pentagon. No, well, no, it begins. Begins with Alaska. On the 20th of January. Uh, yeah, well, what happened then? That was when they first spotted. Okay, the thing. The balloon. The balloon. The actual balloon. Yeah, the Chinese spy balloon. Yeah. Which is what their story and they're sticking with. Right. The, the Chinese said, no, he's no spy balloon. It's no, yeah, whatever. Well, it's all semantics. You can call it whatever you want. But they say. acknowledged it was a, it came from China. Yeah, it was uh, Saturday two weeks ago that they first supposedly spotted it and then it, it meandered down. And on Tuesday, Biden was told about it. That's Tuesday a week ago. Biden was told about it and then dithered and didn't know what to do. And then um, uh, by Saturday... So one week ago yesterday, uh, they shot it down over this, because of uh, South Carolina. And uh, and then we come into this week. So from the shoot down on Saturday to this week, it's been a week basically of, you know, the first one extended over more than a week. Uh, yeah, extended over a week uh, until they shot it down. And then a week later, i.e. yesterday, uh, well, about a week later, Friday and yesterday, you have two more. Um, let's hear what we want to hear the yeah. press statement. Uh, I just gave it to you, there, Scott. This is from this guy's. You just been this guy's been on the news a lot lately because he's usually giving updates about Ukraine. Mm. Uh, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, press spokesman for the Pentagon. United States fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command successfully took down a high altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska at 1:45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today within US sovereign airspace over US territorial water. On February 9, North American Aerospace Defense Command detected an object on ground radar and further investigated and identified the object using fighter aircraft. The object was flying at an altitude of 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. 
U.S. Northern Command is beginning recovery operations now. <clears throat> U.S. Northern Command's Alaska Command coordinated the operation with assistance from the Alaska Air National Guard, Federal Aviation Administration, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. On a bunch of escorts, the FBI. Details about the object at this time, including any description of its capabilities, purpose, or origin. The object was about the size of a small car, so not similar in size or shape to the high-altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4. Right. Yeah, so, he made a point of distinguishing it. Yeah, because it was, it was more or less the size of a normal uh, weather balloon. Okay, and you're leaving it at that. You yeah. think it was a weather balloon? Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, then, that's Friday, Saturday. On, just, just, just so you can see, throw it up there, Scott, just in case anybody wants to buy one. Um, what did he say? A small car? What's a small car? About 240 inches or something? Um, there you go. You can get one. Well, probably a small car's closer to 120 inches, 100, whatever. Somewhere between. You can get one there for $35. Uh, 120 inch, 140 inch, whichever. If you let's get one of those nice shiny balloons, you can, you can own your own Chinese spy balloon and release it. Pretty big, like 240 inches. You can go. You can even go up to 336 inches. That's a lot. Like that's freaking 20 feet. I don't know, like 20 feet or something. Um, you could theoretically hang on, have your mate let go. Cut, yeah, cut the guidelines and, and you, you go up. And with you it. could do some surveillance. Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, it's. Um, I mean, I was just thinking, like, if people were to, uh, you know. Yeah, it's six meters, six hundred grams. That's pretty, look at the two forty inch one on the on the picture on the bottom left. Yeah, sorry, the very bottom picture. Six meters, and it's only six hundred grams. That's like twenty feet, and it's only six hundred grams. It's super light. <coughs> it arrives. It'll arrive in uh, at your house, and you just uh, get some helium from somewhere. Locally and uh, inflate it, and up you go. Um, if everybody did that, it'd be it would be um, it's a totally missed opportunity. Like, if like thousands, hundreds of thousands, you could even get millions of people if they had any sense right now. All of them would be on Amazon buying up all of the stock of those balloons, right? And they'd be releasing them all in one day as a big fucking like fu or whatever, or a big like uh, shits and giggles, larping, whatever to to the whole situation. No. Was that, was that, <laughs> that would be hilarious like Joe as usual couldn't wait I had that last on my item we were going to lampoon it last no but, send but, it up there <laughs> I'm just saying I just well you just asked you just said to me like these latest ones over Alaska and Canada which Canada was too afraid to shoot down so they had to get NORAD to do it they had to get like the Americans to do it because uh, Canadians are too yeah, polite because yeah. they would have went up and just asked the, the balloon nicely to leave their airspace um so, um, hang on, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But let's, you said, let's, let's he said it was the size of a small car. Yeah, and, and you down. assumed it was a balloon. He never said balloon. Well, that's because he won't. But because well, let, let's like, look at a more detailed description. The, just to be clear, the reason I sent showed you the Amazon link there is because that's the size of a small car. Those balloons are the size of a right. small car, and that's what it could be. Yeah, it, it, exactly. This could be mundane, and I suppose what you're getting at is they're. Inflating, no pun intended, yep. a non-existent threat. Okay, so let's look at this ABC News report of the Alaska objects, so the Friday one. Um, let's not listen to it. Um, I'll just go down and describe it quickly. 
as the report does, it was described as cylindrical and silverish gray. Yeah. That's not spherical and white. And seemed to be floating, a U.S. official said. Asked if it was balloon-like, the official said, all I say is that it wasn't flying, in quotes, with Mm. any sort of propulsion. So if that is balloon-like, well, we just don't have enough information, I presume he's meant to say at this point. We don't know who owns the object. That's another difference from the last time Mm -hmm. the Chinese either put their hands up or they were asked and they affirmed, yes, it's ours. Um, Furthermore, and by the way, the person speaking here, I'm really, is Kirby. So he's the press, press, um, press officer for the State Department. Mm -hmm. It did not appear to have maneuverability capability, uh, unlike the first one last week. Uh, it was virtually at the whim of the wind. And then they add, um, this isn't Kirby, but the report in ABC mm-hmm. adds that the object was traveling northeasterly across Alaska. Maybe they are mistaken in their wind direction there, or he meant to say southwesterly, and it's coming from the northeast, but northeasterly, traveling northeasterly would seems to suggest that it was going in the direction of the prevailing wind, which is from the northeast to the southwest. Mm. So it was against the wind? Oh, maybe, maybe not. But still, that, that thing about no propulsion presumably means there's no payload, no means of controlling the object, like with the other high altitude where you could, you could send signals to it to inflate or deflate and thereby catch different winds at different currents at different altitudes. Mm-hmm. This one didn't seem to have that. And what's with the cylindrical and silverish gray description? I mean, that's not... Okay, they could have just said it's a big white balloon. He didn't say balloon, though. Mm. Yeah, well, he equivocated and said, it's balloon-like. <laughs> why, yeah. why, why, the, why not just say, if, it's, if they're going with balloon flap, just stick with it, you know? Okay, so that's a little weird. And then, of course, the third incident, less than 24 hours later, is the one over Yukon, Canada. Yeah. Um, well, the one over last Canada's day. defense ministry described it as small and cylindrical, small relative to... Again, the first big balloon from last week. And what's with cylindrical again? Mm-hmm. Um, blah, but, blah, blah. But you missed the uh, you missed the best part of the Alaska one, though. Um, the best, the, the most important for for the conspiracy theorists about uh, about the Alaska one. Um, it's on it's on a CNN report. It was actually on. I don't actually have it. I don't remember actual audio is but the anyway it was it's, it, i have it in text here um if you look, look for the word interfere enter f-e-n-t-e-f-e-r uh some pilots said the object interfered with their sensors on the planes right is that did not stand out to you as the, as the main point there neil and you're reporting on the Alaska one. Hey, was that look, not the main one? Like a lot to cylindrical, grey, whatever, blah blah. That's that's passive, right? Whatever it is, it's some floaty, cylindrical, grey, passive thing that was maybe floating like a balloon. But here, someone actually said interfered with their sensors. That implies some kind of a. That's certainly more than a balloon, right? Yeah, I have a balloon in the room in there, and it doesn't interfere with anything. Right, it just made a latex. Right. So these are not just balloons. Are you telling me? Or at least one of them was not just a balloon. It was the Alaska one. Some some pilots said the object interfered with their sensors, but not all pilots reported experiencing that. 
Some pilots also claim to have to have seen no identifiable propulsion on the object and could not explain how it was staying in the air, which is a very strange thing. Uh, it's it's just the next uh, paragraph afterwards. Uh, that's something that stands out as well, no? Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's the second most important part of, or the second most interesting part of that whole uh, reports of what it was. Uh, you're going up and you're, you're going up to intercept a balloon, right? And you come back down and your report is, so what about that balloon? And you say, well, it didn't seem to have any propulsion on it. And it's like, you know, that's because it's a balloon, right? Right. And then, and then you tell me also, yeah, and I don't know how it was staying in the air. And I'm like, it was a balloon. <laughs> Do you know how balloons work? Right. Well, either the U.S. Air Force pilots are stupid they do, or they're, they're not that they don't, operating from the basis that it was a balloon. They don't know that. Yeah. Either they don't know how a balloon works. All the media is assuming something with a balloon, but the, they're not. That's why they're talking about something else. <laughs> right. So that's what the, suggest. the conflicting eyewitness accounts are partly why the Pentagon has been unable to fully explain what the object is, the source briefed on the matter said. Okay, and then there's a fourth incident. Let's just cover it. This is NORAD's statement in between Alaska and Yukon incidents or at the same time as, I think it's also yesterday. This one had, well, let's see. Can you, oh, it's too small. Actually, um, I have a report on it here. Okay, that's a bit better. NORAD's statement February 11th is yesterday, Friday. Okay, with the cooperation of the FAA, NORAD implemented a temporary flight restriction in central Montana yesterday, February 11th, to ensure the safety of air travel, blah, blah, blah. NORAD detected a radar anomaly and sent fighter jet, fighter aircraft to investigate. They saw nothing, it seems, and that's the end of the matter. But still, just a scramble. Okay, radar anomaly. So three balloons and a radar anomaly in a space of sounds 36 like a, hours. Sounds like a title for a, for, a, for a movie, no? Definitely. Three balloons and a radar anomaly. Um, smash hit, coming this summer. <laughs> Don't miss it. The star Hugh Grant. Um, three balloons, that could be Biden. He's a balloon. Uh, <clears throat> no, um, yeah, so... There's other stuff going on, but people are linking things together into this. That's the end of it as far as last week's jet scrambling and shooting down of things is concerned. Uh, well, I mean, you can just add this. I mean, you know, you, know, you mentioned it already, but here's the, space the, here's the actual here's the actual report from MSN. It's on MSN. Uh, so this is the f- so this would be the fifth one then. So your original your original Chinese spy balloon, then Friday event over Canada or sorry over Alaska. Saturday event over the Yukon, over Canada. Then around the same time or shortly afterwards over Montana, radar anomaly, nothing actually seen, radar anomaly. That was the fourth one. And the fifth one was today, a few hours ago, China announces unidentified flying object in eastern China. Uh, which that, which that image ever, isn't anything to do with it. That's the shooting down no, of, just the, uh, of the first, of, one, of the first one. But uh, Tony's making a point of saying, We've got an unidentified... I mean, this is what's driving me nuts and probably is driving everyone else nuts. They're calling it an unidentified flying object. They haven't ID'd it as a balloon or they won't share that as a balloon. They're calling it a UFO and that they're preparing to shoot it down. Yeah. So... Um, shooting down UFOs. We're in the era of 
you know, major world governments shooting down UFOs over the past week. It just, they just sprang it on us. We thought like it would take a while. There'd be some introduction, you know, uh, to uh, the whole shooting down of UFOs like Independence Day. But no, boom, there it is straight away. Uh, except of course, they're not officially UFOs. We're <coughs> using the term literally UFO or they're using the term literally as in an object that's floating or flying or moving through the air that they haven't been able to specifically identify. There's another incident. Will we cover it first? I don't know if we should lump this in together because this could be incidental. It's from two weeks ago. Um, But it's only getting traction now in the media probably because of all these other things. So um, green space lasers. No, that's not... I didn't just, that's not just my kooky spin on this. That's what the media is calling it. Chinese space lasers. So I don't know who or what website or YouTube account this is, but this was uploaded to YouTube two weeks ago. But they say it's footage from the top of the observatory in Hawaii, um, one of the peaks in Hawaii. So that's a still image, but there's footage there. Matrix looking, that's a slow down. One last time. That's the alien scanning, scanning uh, Hawaii to see if there's any uh, <clears throat> any good beaches there. Uh, well, about scanning, that, that's that's um, that's. It's kind of the official word on this, Um, not the alien part, but the scanning part. Uh, Let's look at this report. So initially they said, initially reported as a NASA-owned satellite using some kind of LIDAR technology, which is a radar for ground penetration for measuring the depths of ice caps, ice, anything, maybe the Arctic's ice. But this is a follow-up report, a headline in Science Alert.com, ominous green lasers shot over Hawaii didn't come from NASA satellite after all. Mm-hmm. And the story there is that, in fact, the only the only one that it fits for a satellite passing over at that time is a Chinese satellite. Yeah. That's according to of course. Japanese, All the Japanese researchers who part own this observatory on atop Hawaii. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's, that smacks to me as, as a kind of a Chinese... China to blame. China's blame for everything. After the fact. Yeah. Two weeks later. Who knows what they're up to, yeah. Could be space aliens doing that too, though. Um, you know, space aliens as opposed to illegal aliens. <laughs> uh, the, but, you know, I think you're getting ahead of yourself. You're talking about me getting ahead of myself. I think you're getting ahead of yourself, way ahead of yourself. And all of the people on Twitter are also getting way ahead of themselves, which that's, that's not surprising, though, because they like to do that. But anyway, all the people on social media and wherever, even in the media, um, because look at this picture. Put that up there, Scotty. Recognize that? Scroll down a bit. Recognize that picture? That's Put, the balloon. The balloon they shot down. Huh? Scroll no, up it's little, not. Scroll up a little bit, or scroll. Uh, yeah, scroll up to the right, just to the top, so you can see the top part. What dates on that? I can't see from here. Hang on. June 17, 2020. Do, do, are you having deja vu? You should be having deja vu. Although at the time... So time travel is also involved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's funny. Uh, this this Look at the headline. Balloon-like object in Japanese sky sets Twitter afire with talk of UFOs and Godzilla. Uh, and this is from June 2020. 
uh, and it's, it, it provoked talks of, talks of UFOs back then. But do you remember that happening in 2020? Do you remember it being to this extent? Or do you remember it? You probably obviously don't remember it at all. I didn't remember it. No. I didn't, it just didn't register with me at all. But that looked very much like the, the balloon that was flying around um, just last week over the US. Um, and it's just called a mysterious, mysterious balloon, right? Um, there's even a, there's even a video of it, um, as well, and nobody batted an eyelid. Well, nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody said a word. It was, it was stuck in Japan. This one, that one, that previous article was Reuters. Okay, who cares about Reuters? This one in Japan, Japan Times. There's a video. We'll play the video. Just a bit of it. I know that's that's a cloud. No, hang on, now, hang on. That's that that's a star. That's a balloon. That's the no. same. And you just saw, and you just saw that's it. a UFO. <clears throat> and you saw a picture of it, <clears throat> and it had the familiar kind of uh, payload underneath, um, the long rectangular payload. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, nobody shot that one. If you just could go down to the article, you can pause it there, or stop it there, and go down to the article. Uh, at the time, a meteorolo- the meteorological agency in Sendai's office received a number of inquiries Wednesday morning over a white balloon-like object floating in the sky over the city, leaving agencies official, officials bewildered and some Twitter users, users excited. That happens, yeah. Some Twitter users, not all of them, as is the case this past week. It's not something flown by the meteorological agency and we don't have a clue what it is, an agency official said. We checked with the Sendai Municipal Government and the Self-Defense Forces, but they don't know either. And they also don't give a shit, apparently. According to the agency, phone calls asked what it... What it is started, phone calls asking what it is started to arrive at around 7 a.m. A cross-shaped object is hanging underneath the sphere and it hardly moves. An agency official said it looks like some kind of an observational instrument. Very good. Um, And then this one, unless you know, is Taiwanese, it's pretty pretty much the same thing. Uh, So that was June 17th, 2020. This one, you're going to have to, I hope you're brushed up on your, um, is it Cantonese? Um, but anyway, you can see the date there, 2021. I think it's um, May again, 2021. Or maybe it was September. I'm not sure. One or the other. Anyway, there's another one. Picture. Over Taiwan this time. Mm. Who do you think was responsible for that? Who's, who's flying these surveillance balloons over Japan and Taiwan in the current geopolitical climate? Needle? China. Maybe. Maybe not. So that's just two examples of multiple uh, events where this has been... Um, a thing, uh, this has happened, um, very similar balloons uh, have happened. There's been reports of them over Australia, um, many, many, many in the past X number of years, and no one ever crapped their pants about it. No country ever mobilized their Air Force and made a big kerfuffle about it and decided to shoot it down in, you know, full Technicolor and have it a major incident all around the world. None of them decided to do that. So why did America decide to do it this past week with that first balloon? If, as I said, uh-huh. it's been a thing. Uh, Ge- it, geopolitics. That sounds like the most likely answer to me, ramping up anti-China rhetoric and tensions. Somebody in the US 
with significant control and power wants to ramp up uh, tensions. In the same way, it could have been handled in exactly the same way as the, as the Japanese handled it. There was in the same way that the Americans got some calls from people spotted from somebody on an airplane, spotted from the ground, and but you don't hear about it. It's on some the nether regions of Twitter or Facebook or wherever, but nobody hears about it. It's not an international incident. Mm-hmm. People call in, that's it. It's, it's, it's not recognized as a big issue by the government and it's made to go away. That's what could have happened easily in this case and should have happened in this case, but it didn't happen in this case. On purpose, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just in case you're thinking, this is it's from quite a few years ago, actually. No, it's not. It's from last year. Anyway, um, just throw it up there, Scotty. Um, the U.S. military's newest weapon against China and Russia. Hot air. It's a very interesting article. The Pentagon is quietly transitioning high-altitude balloon projects to the military services. The Pentagon is working on a new plan to rise above competition from China and Russia. Balloons. The high-altitude inflatables flying at between 60 and 90,000 feet would be added to the Pentagon's extensive surveillance network and, w- and could eventually be tracked, used to track hypersonic weapons. <laughs> which America is very scared about. They don't like hypersonic weapons. Um, the Pentagon budget document documents signal and technology, signal, signal the technology is moving from the DOD scientific community to the military services. Now, that just means that the DOD has been working on these for quite a long time, which they have. And it's fairly, it's common. There's civilian contractors that have been working on these for quite a long time. We'll look at that in a minute. But anyway, um, they talk about helping to track and deter hypersonic weapons. Um, Going into hiding in plain sight, for years the DOD has conducted tests using high-altitude balloons and solar-powered drones to collect data, provide ground forces with communication and mitigate satellite problems. Um, So it's quietly transitioning it to 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 the military services, which means that it's kind of ready to go. And this was last year. Um, uh, another initiative, just uh, a few more paragraphs down there. Another initiative aims to tie all the technology together. The Pentagon is conducting demonstrations to evaluate how to incorporate high altitude balloons and commercial satellites in an attack known as the kill chain. Right. They can be trucks for any number of platforms, whether it be communication and data link nodes, ISR, tracking and er, tracking air and missile threats, or even various weapons, and without the predictable orbits of satellites. Uh, and then if you just go down, because we'll look at this in a minute, not your average balloon. Raven Aerostar is a division of Raven Industries and produces the balloons. Raven said they consist of a flight control unit powered by batteries that are charged using, using renewable Solar panels. Mm, exactly the same. They also have a payload electronics package that controls flight safety, navigation, and communications. Some dude said in an interview, wind currents allow the balloon to float along a desired flight path, and the company takes advantage of different wind speeds and directions to move the balloon to the target area. Wow. But that's not all. Raven Airstar uses a proprietary machine learning al- algorithm that predicts wind directions and fuses incoming sensor data in, a, in real time. The company also employs a software program to pilot and monitor its balloon fleet and has a mission operations center manned with trained flight engineers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's exactly what they said that the first quote-unquote Chinese balloon had Mm -hmm. capabilities for. I knew exactly what it was. 
So let me just go down a little bit. There's just to add that the private sector is also investing in the balloon market. Alphabet, Alphabet, who are they? Nearly Bob. You know who Alphabet are? Google. Alphabet deployed balloons in 2017 to provide mobile communications in Puerto Rico. In the mid-2010s, the Army was investing in a spy blimp program that it ultimately cancelled. The effort is known as the Joint Land Attack Cruise Missile Elevated Netted Sensor System. Um, So there you go. Uh, (coughs) This is not, just in case anybody thinks this was a surprise or the Americans didn't know exactly what this was, they're doing exactly the same thing and have been doing it probably as long as the Chinese or before the Chinese. So when they looked at that thing, they knew exactly what it was. Right. It's th- this is China attempting to create its own network of subspace surveillance. Yes. And the they don't of- want China to have control of that space, stratospheric space. So they're nixing it. What I find interesting is in transitioning, because it's explicitly designed to be uh, uh, at least one of the part of, one, one of one part of of the explicit design elements of it is to replace satellites in the event that there are no satellites. They say right. that specifically. In the event that satellites are taken out somehow or other, we can float these things up very cheaply and quickly and provide real-time observation, communications, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you, you, you need for them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, Yes. So it's just just uh, d- to show you that um, I mean I have a couple of videos here I don't know if you want to watch them or not but um, actually this one might be interesting I'll just I can't remember exactly what they said they, there were some pretty interesting things uh, said in it but this is from this is actually Aerostar so this is a company that makes these balloons the the analogs of of the Chinese spy or surveillance balloon that you just saw this is Aerostar that was mentioned in that article that, that has been making them for quite a long time uh, it's a couple of minutes but. That's the boy. Since 1956, Aerostar has been challenging the limits of technology. Yeah. Aerostar is an aerospace and defense contractor that works on high-altitude stratospheric balloons, radar systems, and protective wear. Our mission is to connect, protect, and save lives. Today, Aerostar is a diversified technology company that continues to be a world leader in the design, development, and manufacturing of aerospace products. For decades, Aerostar has been at the forefront of high-altitude research and has a distinguished history of collaborating with university, scientific, and military partners. Back in 1956, there was a lot of new technology being developed. It was a lot of testing for pre-NASA space race scientific research. Some of the first work that they were doing with the high-altitude balloons was before they had put people up in rockets. For years, Aerostar has collaborated with NASA to use high-altitude research balloons in Antarctica. Felix Baumgartner was carried by an Aerostar balloon to the stratosphere from which he completed his record-shattering space dive. Aerostar has spent decades refining high-altitude balloon technology, designing, engineering, and manufacturing the end product. It is a technology that can get balloons to the stratosphere reliably, inexpensively, and from anywhere in the world. A satellite is reasonably expensive to put into space, and it doesn't just happen quickly. The balloon is orders of magnitude cheaper than that. What a balloon can do is it can navigate to a certain point that you can specify, and it can linger there for weeks or months Mm -hmm. on command. I can put it Mm -hmm. where I want it or in the vicinity of where I want it for a long Mm -hmm. period of time, reasonably inexpensively and with short notice. The possibilities only grow as Aerostar develops smaller hardware 
and smarter technology. Oh, look at that. We say not even the sky is the limit. If you take what we know about flying in the stratosphere that we didn't used to know, add into that better battery technology, better solar technology, better computing and navigation smarts, I think there's a lot that can be done that hasn't been done before. The Americans had no idea what it was, Neil. They had no idea. <laughs> that is telling. This company's been making exactly the same balloons with exactly the same And balloon. they're operational. They have an operational network globally. For years. And so obviously they knew what it was. And they chose and to was, make a deal was, out of it. There was competition. Competition, but these things are flying around. China's flying them around. America is flying them around uh, fairly regularly, probably invading Chinese airspace. And no one ever made a scene about it before. Why was a scene made about it in America last week? Well, the Chinese response to their one being shot down was, you know, you've set a precedent here, implying that when one of yours is in cl close proximity to us, i.e. over our space or territory, we'll do the same. Then they would naturally assume that posture, but that would only supply the, the motive for doing this with the legs it needs to begin a tit-for-tat uh, mm -hmm. prelude to war. I mean, mm -hmm. We're not suggesting it's going to go all the way, but for a standoff between the US and China. Mm -hmm. And of course, well, they, made a big, they made a big scene about it, have it? I mean, you saw that dude, he's, from, he's like a throwback, he's an anachronism. Frank Gaffney, uh, one time, still kind of neocon. Uh, this is China in focus, which I think is an anti-Chinese aimed at Western audiences um, Outlet basically have a have a look at they had Gaffney on, uh, on yeah, just go from where. Following the downing of the Chinese surveillance balloon over the U.S., a new focus has emerged in Washington, zooming in on the capabilities and threats posed by the craft. Former U.S. Marine Captain Paul Crespo says Beijing could send high altitude balloons over the U.S. and they could carry dangerous payloads like small mm. nuclear electromagnetic poles or EMP devices. Think tank expert Frank Gaffney explains. If it is detonated actually a bit higher altitude than this balloon is at at the moment, but it can presumably take a nuclear weapon if it has one aboard to that altitude, it could generate what's known as an electromagnetic pulse, which the Chinese well understand could devastate the electric grid of our country. Crespo says that if power and communications mm -hmm. were to get cut across the U.S., it would wreck, quote, widespread havoc for a year or more without firing a shot on the ground. Retired Army Colonel John Mills highlights other hidden hazards. But it also begs the question, could these be used as actually offensive uh, delivery of nuclear warheads, of hypersonic warheads, of chemical biological agents, of an EMP device? Uh, the the options are limitless and just limited by the imagination. EMPs are bursts of electromagnetic energy that disrupt communications and damage electronic equipment. An EMP can be created by nuclear missiles, radio frequency weapons, and natural phenomena like geomagnetic storms. As experts fear, the Chinese spy balloon could have been used for prepping an EMP attack on U.S. nuclear facilities. 
The question now is, is China's spy balloon benign? I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that uh, they were over the three, essentially the three existing missile wings. The Chinese were clearly conducting surveillance. They were exploiting gaps and seams in our uh, in our air our, our air surveillance, our air picture. This was a spy operation.、Mm-hmm. The balloon、yeah. traveled over some of America's most sensitive military sites, vital to nuclear capabilities. These sites include Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, which oversees 150 nuclear-capable intercontinental ballistic missile silos. Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska, home to the U.S. Strategic Command, and White Man Air Force Base in Missouri, which operates the Air Force's B-2 bomber. With reports of balloons serving roles in Beijing's warfare, let's take a closer look at a previous <laughs> test done by China in 2018. Footage displays a similar high-altitude balloon, but with three hypersonic missiles dropped as part of testing. Chinese state broadcaster CCTV reported on the weapons test in 2018, showing the balloon lifting three hypersonic glide vehicles or HGVs from the ground. HGVs are generally launched by rockets. Once in orbit, they can fly through the atmosphere themselves. According to Chinese media reports, the balloon dropped HGVs or part of an effort to test the weapon's freefall process and develop precision hypersonic warheads. Joint drills from the U.S., Australia, and the U.K. operating on U.S. soil. The exercises focus、anyway, on countering the countering the Chinese threat. So it's, there's a lot in there, but、um, <clears throat> main takeaway from that is that America usually accuses other countries of what it's planning to do itself. So the whole idea of an EMP and that kind of stuff. If anybody's planning an EMP against、uh, anybody via, you know,、uh, a balloon or whatever, it's it's most likely America in in its. Slated by several sources, upcoming war, quote unquote, with、um, with China, allegedly in sometime in 2025 or maybe a bit later.、Um, but you notice there, <clears throat> UK and Australia, with the US having、uh, you know joint naval or、uh, military exercise drills aimed at targeting China. So、um, <coughs> yeah. Uh, the whole talk about EMP and the, the fear mongering around, around that,、um, of course, that you know, <clears throat> that's something I would say. On balance, if you're going to if you're going to guess, if you're going to make a judgment call, it would be that that was something that the Chinese are concerned about. They're, they're looking at all options of what the US may do against China, may use to try and threaten or intimidate China in the in the right now or in the near future, and have been doing, let's say, um, and. Uh, The the sending of a balloon. I assume at this point, given the nature of these balloons, these surveillance balloons, that <clears throat> China it was deliberately flown over the U.S. as a response、uh, to what the U.S. has the U.S. Aggre-、uh, U.S. is aggressive and belligerent, kind of saber rattling against China and threatening of war against China, etc., etc., and all the other things they've been doing to th- sanctioning China.、Uh, America has been <clears throat> prepping for war with China in a certain sense. They've been sanctioning China, trying to stop China getting.、Um, Uh, high-end chip technology,、um, trying to prevent China getting access to high-end chip to- technology made in Taiwan and made in other, in, in other countries, and they've also been trying to set up in a, in a you know in a parallel way. They've been trying to set up、uh, supply chains for essential、uh, 
whatever, however, whatever they describe it, whatever they define as essential, but essential for the government and the military, let's say, and basic, you know, social infrastructure products that they currently get from China, but that they may not be able to in the event that they actually go to war with China, that they have, they're trying to set up parallel non-Chinese sourced supply chains for essential ingredients that they currently get from China. They've been doing all this thing, all this kind of stuff in the background. And you talk about, you know, the anti-China rhetoric uh, going on and increasing and increased to fever pitch in the last week. Uh, the Chinese obviously are uh, pretty concerned. And I suspect this balloon flyover was basically either A, it was what China says, although I don't really think that's the most likely that it went off course. Certainly it's a, it's a surveillance balloon. Um, uh, what it was doing or what the point of it was, I don't think it was necessarily picking up on anything in particular. It was simply a display of or a testing of, of American uh, defenses and how they'd respond to it. And to, to, in a certain sense, to give them, give back what they've been giving China for qu- quite a long time now, which is, listen, we're not going to sit around and uh, take your threats and your saber rattling um, without, without, a, without some kind of a response. We're not just going to lie down and take it, basically. Um, so... There's another level to this. Mm-hmm. Frank Gaffney, along with Jim Wolsey, mm-hmm. remember him, ex-CIA director, and other neocons and some current acting senators, are founding members of the organization started in 2013 to warn the American people about the serious risk of North Korea launching an attack that will create an EMP blast <coughs> yeah. over the United States. They love their EMPs, yeah. That's 2013. And of course, an EMP, there's... Yeah, there's not an element of EMPs. For, if you want to go further down the rabbit hole, there's another element of EMPs, which is overhead uh, space rock explosions could create a, a kind of a, an EMP type effect that would uh, do the same thing. So maybe there may be a, an element here of a, a useful cover for hundred percent something that goes down. 100%. I don't know if these guys consciously realize it, or maybe some people do, but the way this transition from North Korea is going to launch an EMP that will knock out a power to China is going to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a seamless transition. Here's Frank Gaffney um, in 2013 on Fox News. North Korea to launch EMP. That'll knock out a power grid. I think what these people re- foresee or suspect is that we could have EMP effect from natural disasters. Just mm-hmm. 2013. North Korea is warning all foreigners to leave South Korea, saying they are at risk in the event of conflict. North Korea has already loaded two medium-range missiles on its east coast with a range of about 2,000 miles. Some reports say there could be some kind of firing in just the next few hours. Let's talk about this. Whatever. That's an America high on war. Like, yeah. Under President Ronald Reagan, Frank Gaffney. He's now the on the left there. The Center for Security Policy. Jimmy Williams, Vin Weber is still here. Frank Gaffney, what is up with this insane story? And I guess mainly, Frank, is the United States prepared to intercept and deflect this if the worst case happens? Well, it's a not-so-insane a story. Uh, you know, we've conditioned the North Koreans to believe that if they engage in provocative behavior, they will be rewarded for it. And I'm afraid, uh, Larry, despite some of the Bullshit. efforts the Obama administration made in the past week or so to signal otherwise this time, 
um, it seems as though behind the scenes they've been engaging in it again. So you may well see these missile tests, um, one or more of them. And it's interesting that at the very moment that that's being laid on, apparently, by the North Koreans, the U.S. government has stood down on one of its long-scheduled and, frankly, very much needed missile tests of one of our intercontinental ballistic missiles. Was that a big mistake, Frank? Was that a big mistake? Stepping big mistake. Does that show weakness? Well, here's my concern, Larry. I think we're in this fix at the moment because the United States under President Obama has really been running down our nuclear deterrent, uh, including... Do you know, listen to the rest of that? No, he's just walking along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Just, just, there, there they are like 10 years ago right. at battle stations, you know, the threat of EMP from North Korea. Like mm-hmm. 10 years later, that's what this is too. But they're not quite fleshing it out. I mean, it's just a Chinese balloon. How dare it violate our airspace, mm-hmm. you know? That is the, also the difference is that China actually had a balloon over the United States. North yeah. Korea had no such thing, you know? Yeah. But these guys, Frank Gaffney and Wolsey, um, they got, they got a whole, there's a whole, it's almost like a, uh, a PAC PAC committee on, of its own, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's mostly Republican. Mm-hmm. The think tanks are like obsessed with, uh, securing America's power grid mm-hmm. from any source of, of attack. They've got a, a crazy website called securethegrid.com. Right. Um, it's just, it, it kind of has news about the, the grids going down locally and what's being done or a possible cyber attack uh, threat here from China, from Russia. Mm-hmm. But it's all undergirded by the same neocon obsession that you saw in Frank mm-hmm. Gaffney 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, it, this the whole thing smacks of like basically a cover. This is the co- the war is a cover or the threat of war is a cover for something else. I don't think they're really going to attack China's and vice versa. Well, I I think they are going to have some kind of a conflict with China. It may not last very long, but it'll be some kind of a some kind of something kicking off uh, with China because they're building up that. And this balloon fiasco over the past week has been. Specifically for the purpose of demonizing China in the minds of the American people, they are seeing the American people being conditioned to see China very specifically as a threat and an enemy, and therefore, when war breaks out, in, in the same, in exactly the same way that the Russia and Putin have been demonized over the past ten years, flagrantly and egregiously over the past ten years, repeatedly demonized in preparation for what they knew was ultimately some kind of a conflict with Russia, which is happening today. Uh, they're doing exactly the same thing with China, and they took the opportunity. That's how cynical this whole thing is. Imagine, think back to the reporting you got on this Chinese surveillance balloon over the past week, uh, and what you what you were left with, what the people were left with, the impression you were left with from the reporting on it, and then realize that they actually knew that they, they did this on purpose from the very beginning. They planned it from the beginning. They saw a Chinese balloon coming in. Whether the Chinese were intending to fly it over or not, that wouldn't have been necessary. There might have been a little bit of a a, a a kind of warning in a certain sense from China, justified based on the way the U.S. has been treating China, but whether or not the, the balloon did go off course or whether it was deliberately sent over the U.S., like we've shown, those kind of balloons have been over other countries in the past and nobody said a word. Mm-hmm. There was no reason whatsoever, and, and the media, at least and to give them a little bit of credit, the reports in the media were that, at the, and from the Pentagon, the government itself, they, that when they first reported on it or talked about this balloon, they said that it, it was just, it wasn't, um, it was probably, okay, initially, 
they were saying it didn't look like it was a surveillance balloon. It didn't have any real, it looked like a meteorological balloon. That was an element of them trying to kind of play it down and let it go. But then somebody stepped in and said, no, we got to go anti-China on this. And, uh, but then even then they admit that even with sensors and observe, you know, cameras and stuff, there's nothing they can get from this balloon that they can't get from satellites anyway. And then all the people come in and say, well, maybe you can get a bit of a different, better angle type thing and see the side of a building or for a bit long, uh, bullshit, you know. Uh, that was all to try and cover up the fact that they were on uh, some, somebody, that this this was a, a, an event, the type of event that had happened in other places and there was no good reason for the U.S. It's to not do even an event. No. It's it's a system. It's a network. Right. It's not an event. They made an event out right. of it. They made an event out of it. It's, All it's it does is it presumably has the same capability the U.S. wanted. ISR coverage that is subspace. You don't have to send up satellites. Mm-hmm. And did you, did you, when you read that out, did we see it together in the event that satellites yeah. are what, or, not working yeah. or not there anymore? Have been taken out or something. Again, yeah. is that done they with an provide. eye to... Well, it's it, part well, of the, two things. One would be the space rocks that you mentioned, but the other one would be the Russians. Yeah. They have satellite killers. Right, what, if, what, exactly. if, what if things get serious and they start smashing satellites? Yeah, yeah. Shoigu kind of gave a warning about that in November when he yeah. said, you know, our problem is we're up against whole West and the whole West has 300 satellites, mm-hmm. half civilian, but all integrated network mm-hmm. against us right now in Ukraine mm-hmm. in real time in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they start seeing that as fair game. They're in, trying to come. Uh, yeah, they're trying to cover all bases. Like the, the idea behind these these balloons, these, these particular type of balloons, is that they could be used. One aspect of it is they can be used domestically or anywhere where you have control over the area to provide uh, replacement communications, uh, on ground communications, like replace replacement for satellite communications. You float them up; they've got transmitters on them, and you can have communications you know, over a wide area, basically. Um, so yeah, they made a big deal out of it uh, for no good reason other than to consciously ramp up the anti-China rhetoric because they're on a war footing. A war, they're planning. It's coming eventually. At some point, they're coming to some. Uh, they're going to. They're going to get to the point where they have some kind of a, a confrontation with China, and they're trying to set up, get their ducks in a row. One one of those ducks being preparing the public attitude, public perception of China. You know, remember you know remember the Alamo. I do, yeah. Well, remember the balloon. Remember the spy balloon. <laughs> That'll be the rallying call. Remember the spy balloon. Whenever they have the same to, ring. To I know, it, yeah. Remember, we're a bunch of balloons. Um, so, okay, that's what's going on. Now, people have noticed that people, the sit, the our fellow cynical citizens observing this, they've noticed that all this is going on. While, among other things, the U.S. hand in Nord Stream sabotage as gone global, so to yeah. speak. It's you know got attention this week, thanks to Seymour Hirsch's article about it. The Twitter files hearings, mm-hmm. not getting much <clears throat> media attention, but if you go and watch any of them on YouTube, <laughs> they've got millions of views. Mm-hmm. Americans are watching them. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the former executives raked over the coals mm-hmm. for election interference, COVID-related censorship. This is also happening just as Russia is poised to, quote, Donald Trump win bigly in yep. Ukraine, which points to the likely primary motive in the balloons. A Chinese invasion flap is the deep state, so to speak, the the forward planners of the people who planned 
moving the material and the resources needed from Afghanistan to Ukraine, as we saw in the recent weeks. They, they did that consciously with Ukraine in mind. They're capitalizing on basically nothing burgers. But in order to prepare Americans for the next external threat, it's not Russia, but China. Mm-hmm. And however that plays out, I was speaking to you earlier, and it's like, remember, if it's a war machine, it needs to have something. Mm-hmm. Russia can't just put this fire out in Ukraine and that's the end of it. There's got to be another thing that propels the American system forwards or at least sustains it. Mm-hmm. So the war machine needs the next war theater mm-hmm. to look forward to mm-hmm. for pumping out weapons and whatnot. Um, so if Russia is indeed, and they, let's say some of them are taking a realistic behind the bullshit in the media about Ukraine, they have a realistic take on it. Russia is about to put this fire out. Yeah. Did you? The Republicans, the new MAGA of Congress, the U.S. government is under increasing pr- pressure to withdraw from Ukraine, withdraw in a you know financial sense more than anything. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, of course, they've already put out. They can't help themselves. The U.S. military, uh, some commander based in Japan, spoke at some think tank event and said, "Quote: The U.S. military is setting the theater for war with China yep. in Japan." Like from his own words, just like we did with Ukraine. Yep. Um, and part, I mean, of, part of setting this, part of setting the theater for war with China is the balloon. Yeah, yeah. This is the opening thing. Well, um, <clears throat> this is from a Financial Times article, which maybe we we looked at the headline, but um, this is the World Socialist website write up about that article from early January in a remarkably frank interview. With the, with the Financial Times yesterday, the top U.S. Marine general in Japan declared that U.S. NATO successes, as they see it, successes. Well, maybe that is a success. Mm-hmm. We gave Russia a war they didn't want. That counts as a win for us, even though Russia's going to win it, blah, blah, whatever. Against Russia and Ukraine, we're a product of advanced planning and preparations, quote, setting the theater for war in military jargon. That was exactly what the Pentagon was doing in Japan and Asia, he explained, preparing for conflict against China over Taiwan. Mm-hmm. That That's how these people see it. The, the Russia winning in Ukraine, they're never going to air that broadcast, the fact of that. It's going to be, as they see it, it was a win to force Russia to have to fight this. Exactly. To the end empire, up demonize international. The empire, the empire, the American empire is in a place because of its influence, its global, obviously imperial reach and stuff, is in, is in a position to um, put in place conditions and take actions, you know, covert, you know, that aren't reported much in the media against countries that are its peer or near peer adversaries to provoke them to take action. That they wouldn't want to. That they wouldn't want to otherwise provoke them to take action so that they can then blame them for being the aggressor. It's precisely what they did in Russia and it's precisely what they're doing with China. They're, going, they're creating a situation where, where they're provoking China to the point where China has no other option in the same way Russia had no other option to, to protect its own vital interests. China is going to be provoked, is being provoked by the U.S. into a position where it has no other option to protect its vital interests other than taking what ostensibly looks like, well, what looks like aggressive action against Taiwan. That's what they're aiming for. And that's, that's their prerogative because they're a global empire and they get to be they get to be able to do that they're in a position to be able to do that 
We get to have balloons. You don't. What's yes. more, we'll shoot yours down and no one will know about ours. Right. <laughs> Joe Biden ran the platform in 2020 of no malarkey. Yeah. And it's, it's not just that this business as usual. It's like, it's just more malarkey than you've ever yeah. seen before. Well, it's pretty much the opposite of everything they say. The opposite is true. Uh, check this out. I want your, I want your take on this. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but, uh, you know, Prague's, Prague, Prigozhin, Prigozhin, uh, the Wagner dude, that, yeah. Wagner head dude said that he's in, there's a video of him saying it, but he basically said it would take, uh, two years to capture East Ukraine regions, 1.5 to two years. He said, if we want to take, uh, up to the Dnieper, <coughs> Dnieper River, like halfway across Ukraine, wow. uh, 1.5 to two years. If we want to take, uh, if we want to go to the border, no, what do you say? If we want to, what was actually yeah it's probably a short report he said yeah oh no sorry he said to close off to to secure Donetsk and Luhansk would take one to two and a half years to do what the basic aspect of Russian Mm. of the Russian special military operation the goals of the Russian special military operation to secure just Donbass Donetsk and Luhansk one one to one one to, to one and a half years and he said if we want to get to the Dnipro three years that's right after there Okay, that's, uh, a, that's an unusually realistic, unusual compared to like. Except it's Western it's assessments. The only my my only conclusion is that it's basically a psyop. That guy is known for trolling and larping yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he also said a, this week we managed to get one million applicants to join Wagner Group from America. Ten million, he said. Yeah, ten million. Uh, but I think, but this is, seriously was put out. Uh, uh, in an attempt, there's obviously, you know, there's obviously second guessing about all these kind of things, but uh, an attempt to kind of lull the Ukrainians into a false sense of security, you know, that uh, that if they think he's speaking on behalf of the Russian government or, you know, echoing the, the thinking or the, the beliefs of the Russian military and government, <clears throat> that Russia is in this for at least another year, and a, year to a year and a half just to secure Donetsk and Luhansk, those, those two regions. Uh, and if he wants to go to the Dnieper, I, which would more or less include the other two reasons that declared independence, that Russia said we're now part of Russia, Zaporizhia and Kherson, um, uh, it would be three years. You've got three years down the line. Like, we're going to be going this for another three years. And the Russians are, are the Ukrainians just supposedly in response to that, going, oh, well, you know, they're, they're on the back foot. They're not really planned. They can't be planning anything big. They don't have any grand designs. They don't think they're going to make any serious uh, serious moves or, or progress in, in the short term. <clears throat> But and then, but then the other thing, um, the other aspect of that, uh, at, at the same time that um, on the same on the same day, I think. So you're suggesting he was putting out deliberate disinformation, which the Western media eats up because right. all it recognises the truth is deliberate and willful disinformation, right? <laughs> right. But and then there's this one, uh, which was just from a day or two yesterday, actually, as well. Russia ready for negotiations without preconditions? This deputy foreign minister. It all sounds a bit. It's all gone wrong, Inspector. No, it's all gone. Uh, says but, Russian foreign minister. Sorry, yeah. says Russian foreign yeah. minister. Says Russian deputy foreign minister. Uh, it's all about defeatist and doomy, isn't it? Yeah, they're desperate. Except there's another way to look at that, and Russia has done it before, actually, in advance of other major offensives. They put out a, a statement, a declaration, or a request for negotiations. It's almost like due diligence in a certain sense. It's yeah. like we're about to 
that the record show we gave we every chance. We gave them an opportunity to negotiate before we did what we just did. Yeah. Nobody's interested. We know nobody's going to take up this offer for negotiations because, I mean, there is no one in Ukraine who can talk to us. And this is being led by the U.S. And the U.S. is hell-bent on destroying Russia. So there's no point. But just for the, for the historical record, let yeah. it be shown that we offered negotiations before we, hit, we, we handed your ass um, and you, you didn't take it. So, uh, yes. And just on the Nord Stream thing you were talking, the Nord Stream is kind of crazy. Yeah, there has obviously a lot of people, you know, there's been very little reporting on it in the Western media, strangely. Seymour Hirsch, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, New York Times journalist of note, uh, faded a long time ago for all sorts of di- breaking all sorts of different stories. And now he's reduced to Substack, Substack. And he was reported as some dude in a blog said that, Nord- that America did Nord Stream 2 and <laughs> what a load of bull- bullshit. It's like amazing well, how he's been downgraded. You know? they, they can pillory him all they want as a conspiracy. It, that's what his Wikipedia page now says. Oh, he's now a conspiracy theorist. But it makes Beijing and Moscow read it, take note, and amplify it. So the U.S., they can censor it all they want or downplay it, but um, yeah. it's, it hurts his reputation. Yes. is enough. It doesn't matter where. He could do yeah. it on WordPress. The interesting so. thing about Nord Stream 2, the, the, the bombing of those pipelines, is that it took Hirsch, even on his blog on the Substack, to, for it to actually get some media attention. Uh, for the media, even a few outlets to even recognize that, you know, admit what he said, uh, probably poo-pooing it, but at least recognize that he actually made this claim. And he has a source, supposedly a one source within the, the, the group that, that organized it. And he details it all in his article. Um, it's interesting that, um, while, while only a few of them actually, Reported on it, it's it took that for it to even become amongst like uh, social social media commentators and stuff to actually take it seriously. To, yeah, to say, yeah, yeah. oh, now we know, and it's, it's like, dude, how I fucking know. inane I and know, ignorant but... you have to be to not know that that. <sighs> I mean, the po- former Polish prime minister, foreign minister, thank you, America, foreign right, minister. foreign minister, right after it happened, thank you, America. But yet, you know, what is it in, in 1984? You know, the you're you're not to believe the the evidence of your eyes, you know, and uh, it's crazy. Like, um, but what's interesting is, is just the, how embarrassing it is for the, the Germans. You know what I mean? I mean, all right, Nord Stream 1 and 2, those pipelines weren't really German. They were providing a lot of benefit to Germany in the forms of cheap gas to fuel its, its industry. Now it's gone. But it was their friend that blew it up for them. Mm-hmm. Look, we don't think that cheap source of gas is good for you. So we're going to blow it up. Like, why didn't Germany have the opportunity to say, listen, we don't think it's good for us. So we're just going to turn them off or we're going to disable them or whatever. We don't have to blow them up after that example. We could disable them. We could just mothball them. But obviously the Americans didn't trust the Germans, yeah. right? There's no they way. They had. They'd mothballed Nord Stream 2. Yeah, they on, had. On illegal technicality. Right. Just after, when it was ready to go in September of um, 2021, yeah. they, can, they put it on on hold indefinitely because of irregularities. They come up with their own reasons, which should have been enough. Right, but the Americans are so distrustful of the Germans yeah. that they said, "No, that's not good enough for us. We want it definitively destroyed because we don't trust you, dirty Germans, that you won't turn around and snuggle back up to Russia at some point in the near future. So we're going to put an end to it now because we're desperate." And, yeah. and, and the Germans have to go along with that. Yes, I think they're also complicit, though. The Germans complicit. Why? Why would they? Yeah. Scott, Scott Ritter is ranting about why isn't Germany standing up for itself? I'm like, silence is complicity. Well. But why didn't... Okay, there's factions and stuff, but... Yeah, 
why didn't Germany decide to do it itself? Why why did the American Americans have to lead this? Surely the Germans could have disabled it in some way themselves if they were really angry, if they really didn't like this pipeline, if it was terrible, it was horrible. No, their military capabilities shite, which well, would imply their covert abilities are shite. But are you because America looks after military, like the but, formula that Schultz himself articulated since World War II, they do military, we do industry, right. and that's separated. Right. But why then did they go along with it for so long, right up until the end of 2021? Surely, you, 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 like you said, you're talking about factions here. It's not, obviously there's a significant uh, part of the German government and German politics who were, uh, who wanted this pipeline, who realized the benefits of this pipeline. Maybe all of them. Yeah. Maybe if all of them were asked honestly, what are you thinking about Nord Stream 1 and 2? Well, we should keep it because it's, you know, hopefully when this all blows over, we'll be able to turn it back on. And America went, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to blow it up and you're not going to turn anything back on. Because you're mine, you bitch, you little German bitch. You're ours. You don't go anywhere near Russia. And the Germans go, okay. And what do the German people think about this? They think it was a good idea. Was the propaganda enough, anti, anti-Russian propaganda enough that the German people, who now know, at least if they have any sense, now know that the Americans blew up the pipeline that was feeding their industry and their jobs, they know that the Americans did that. Are they okay with it as well? Because, yeah, well, Russia's bad and Putin's bad. So, yeah, I'm glad the Americans blew up that pipeline for us. How, how subservient and, and, and pathetic do you have to be, like, to have no balls whatsoever? Like, this was a direct attack on your economic future, your, your, the viability of your, of your economy, or at least the wealth or the... the the health of your economy into the future, and they just destroyed it. And you have to go, thank you, sir. Yeah. Could, you, could you beat me again, maybe next week, because I enjoyed it this week? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, not a peep. Yeah. It's hard. It's, well, I mean, in any other situation, you'd have, you should, in a normal world, you would have mass protests on the streets of Germany against this aggressive act. There could be. Against German there industry. Could be. Berlin's like brace for it. Lord knows they warned enough. They're coming up to winter, but the going's still reasonably good. Right, next winter might be different. You know, pathetic. Like wait and see. Um, this is Samantha Power. <laughs> yeah, in Hungary. <laughs> oh my God! I bet no Orban shame, wants like, to boot her, but he's he probably can't. I don't even know. Wanna, oh, she's only thirty seconds here. Have a, have a quick listen. This is this is uh, this is America. This is how America does things. And Samantha Power, like the undead, never goes away. Just. <clears throat> like Victoria Newland, really hungry for regime regime change, and as U.S. aid administrator, CIA. As U.S. aid administrator, I have the chance to travel all around the world to engage with people who are working every day to strengthen democratic institutions, to strengthen build independent media, and to promote build independent media oh. rights. Mm, I'm here in Hungary, one of the countries in Central Europe where U.S. aid has recently relaunched programming to tackle just these challenges. I'm going to spend the next couple of days engaging with Hungarians about their vision for a brighter future. Okay, uh, regime Strengthen democratic institutions, build independent media. So you have a known, a person who's known for being directly involved in right to protect uh, USAID, CIA front, regime change, color revolutions in different countries. So she's now in Hungary 
who is clearly out of favor with the West. And she's representing America and uh, basically the CIA and their, their, their phony USA cover. And she's talking about in that country, she's saying she's in the country and she's there to strengthen and build independent media. Now, what kind of independent media do you think that would be? Is that, is that supportive of, of the Orban government or the sitting government or would that be independent media that might be against the Orban government? And she's on fucking TV and, on, you know, making it yeah. publicly. And, and what does Orban think of that? He's, he's been listening to this harpy, this warmonger, warmonger harpy, talking about being in his country, on the streets of it, with, with a picture of the fucking, I don't know, that parliament in the background, saying, yeah, I'm here to promote independent, I, anti-you, anti-Orban media, and... And I have a sack full of cookies. And I've got all the cookies we're going to need. So uh, why is she not bundled into the back of a car? I'm and, kicked out. Along and catapulted out I think Orban, we're getting close to when shit kicks off, that might start happening. You know? Yeah. Um, Orban's got more gonads than the Germans for sure. Uh, this woman is married to Cass Sunstein. Yes. Cass Sunstein is an activist academic who wrote a paper on what to do about the spread of conspiracy theories in the United States. And he mm-hmm. recommended censoring independent media. So she's there like, I'm here to support independent media. No, your husband was key to all that happened with the fake news bullshit and the censorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we know you're going. Uh, I want to say something about the Turkish earthquake. Tur- Turkish earthquake, crazy. Yeah. I think the, the numbers have gone way up. But whenever it happened, I looked at it and I was like, that's got to be, we're talking about you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. I was like, that's got to be more than 20,000. That's going to go over 20,000. It's not 25,000 or so. Some people say yeah. ultimately over 100. The UN guy... British UN guy Griffiths is there and he says based on how many people are probably missing, presumed missing under the rubble, it has to double. So he's thinking 60,000 dead. Uh, another estimate is based on population censuses of who lives where, more like 100,000. Exactly. There's some crazy videos. You see this video? Um, watch this video. of It's actually from Turkey. Watch those cars. Watch the ground as well. They crack along the road. Look at that ground. Nuts. <laughs> Until the camera breaks, I yeah. guess. Did you see that's, that? That's, yeah. The the displacement, the bounce in the wave up and down was about 10 meters. It was savage. Like that, that, that. Earthquake was ridiculous. 10 meters up, 10 meters down, 10 meters up, 10 meters down. That lasted a minute. And the second one was 7.6. It's just a tiny bit smaller. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, lasted 45 seconds. And there's this one of, in Hatay province in Turkey. Uh, it's just the aftermath. But look at the... There's two there. Not just that crack on the, on the center, but on the left. Those yeah. are basically... 650 uh, feet wide. Ravines. Canyons, almost have opened up uh, yeah. along massive stretches of the, of the ground. You know? I saw someone that suggests that it's, it's not, well, it is what you're seeing. It's cracked and there's a huge fissure. It's, it's partly to do with liquefaction. The it's, it's as if the bedrock itself becomes temporarily liquid and collapses. Mm. So the structure below what you're seeing there is 
I don't I don't understand liquefaction myself. I've seen video of, of it from Indonesia where it looks like solid ground is turning into a sea mm-hmm. for the duration of the quake. Yeah. It's not just because it's bouncing up and down like we saw at the cars. It's mm-hmm. actually changed state so temporarily. There's water coming up from below. Water, magma. Yeah, but even the ground itself, so yeah, the, the changing, top soils. Changing its composition. Rock, yeah. yeah. It becomes liquid briefly. All of that opened up. That whole area. Yeah, that was like it was orchards or something. Um. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. I, I'm just after years and years and years of this very zone, northeast Syria, southern Turkey, being such a what was that? Was a balloon. <laughs> the Chinese okay. balloon. I thought it was a cat. Um, after you know, we've been discussing it for years, and it's a tense situation, and it's kind of turned into a cold conflict where it had finally stabilized a bit. Obviously, it's unsolved. There's a pocket of ten thousand ISIS people and types with their families in just on each side, on the Turkish side, on the Syrian side, and then like there's an earthquake, and the whole thing's just like. I would look at that if I was Erdogan and I'm going out and meeting people and trying to lift the spirits. I mean, after all the efforts, the good and the bad, whatever, depending on the perspective or sides you took in that conflict, it comes down to that. It's just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. Maybe they're rebuilt. Maybe it's not so bad. But all the fighting, all the money, all the back and forth, for the territory, for the people, for the future of, well, it was a regime change attempt on Syria, but it also was bigger than that. It was NATO, it was to do with NATO and Russia and Erdogan and get, keeping him on board. And then there's this giant earthquake. It's just like the earth just took the whole thing and said, here's all your human affairs. Let's just shake the shit out of it. And mm-hmm. uh, what's it worth now? Mm-hmm. 10 years yeah, of that. Fight over that. And, yeah. and now what? It's rubble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I have one more thing here. Uh, actually, did I? Yeah. Um, it's just a, a thing on, um, we didn't mention on, on Ukraine. Um, it came out this week. I mean, we kind of knew it. We talked, talked about it before, but, um, it was detailed about the extent to which the U.S is involved in the war mm. in Ukraine. And this is title here is Ukraine's rocket campaign reliant on US precision targeting officials say. Ukrainian officials say they, that they almost never launch high Mars rounds without detailed coordinates provided by US military personnel situated elsewhere in Europe. So we and we were talking about this and I was saying that Goes back to that question. Well, are we at war? Are we at war? But in the con- <laughs> in the context of of what it, are the the question of what it what it means to be you know what the definition of of being involved is America is Europe directly involved in the war against Russia? Are they directly fighting against Russia? Well, okay, there's no bodies on the ground. There's no, I mean, there's no NATO troops on the ground, or whatever that you can discount that. But and then the other one was well, if you if you give weapons. Well, for me, what it comes down to, if you're not going to have groups, uh, troops on the ground, then there's still a criteria where you you could be said to be directly involved in the war. And that's where the extent to which you're directly involved in facilitating the deaths of the opposing troops, in this case, Russian. 
And that article there shows that without the direct input of um, American troops, let's say, because it's high Mars, American troops, American soldiers, American personnel, uh, the Ukrainians would not be able to kill as many Russian troops as they are. So it's only through the direct uh, help of um, NATO troops or US troops that Russian soldiers are dying. Um, and that's different, like I was saying, where like they would supply them with weapons, like uh, training, uh, money. training, money, all that kind of stuff. Train them, give them weapons, and then let them loose and let let them let them do a thing on their own. In a certain sense, this is very different from that. Again, this is day to day observation this management. Is, this is them looking with their trigger. with their satellite te- tech, basically looking at the positions of Russian troops, then giving those coordinates directly to Ukrainian troops who are using American artillery systems or rocket systems, and then hitting those hitting those locations that the Americans give. That's like, for me, that's short of having boots on the ground. That is the next closest to being directly involved in the war, which, and for me, they're directly involved in a war against Russia and the Russians are showing, showing a massive amount of um, restraint, to be honest. Like The, I think is number six uh, warning. I'm trying to keep tabs. Russia formally again warned this week of the risk of direct clash between mm. Russia and NATO. So they give warning, they give warning, but they're not just, they're going to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on that. There's going to be something. How it comes, I don't know. Obviously it needs to fall short of uh, a mad scenario, but. Yeah, it will. It always will. But, and that's the thing. They're all, they're all back down, you know, Russia's, Russia's, the reason I say Russia's showing amazing constraint uh, or restraint is because uh, I'm pretty sure they could do a lot more directly against uh, NATO installments and personnel, etc. Outside, even outside of Ukraine, and not provoke uh, and see no real response except a load of rhetoric from from the West. But they're not doing that. Because ultimately, at this point, I think both they all agree that there's a lot of lot of leeway, and the Americans have been using their leeway to the greatest extent possible to, you know, blur that line of whether or not they're involved, and when they clearly are, and they're actually killing directly, they're directly responsible for killing large numbers of of, of Russian soldiers, and, and and destroying lots of Russian equipment, and they get to say we're not directly involved. Russia hasn't used that political capital, if you want to call it that, or that military capital um, in, the, in the same way to the same extent at all. They could do, if they were to do the equivalent, they would be, they would be attacking NATO, US NATO staging areas outside of Ukraine. And they, I think they, they know that if they were to do that, there would be no real consequences. Or US ships, the Moskva. Or US ships, yeah. The Moskva, they could have left it at the, as, as it was. Uh, vague, dubious, oh, the Ukrainians, may-. no. They came out a few weeks later and boasted yeah. that we directly helped them to do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, the U.S. government was fielding the idea of building a U.S. weapons plant in Poland. Again, are we at war? Well, we're in Poland building that. Yeah. You know, they're floating the idea. Have a look at this one. This week, the British went one better. Yeah, Britain could produce weapons in Ukraine. Senior British defense industry officials are discussing the possibility of manufacturing weapons and armored vehicles in Ukraine under a local license. Why not just go all, yeah? Mm-hmm. 
just do it there. Yeah, and the Brits are supposedly going to be sending them new anti anti ship, supposedly anti ship uh, missiles. I can't remember exactly what they're called. Um, Harpoon. No, oh, they're different different name. Yeah, um, but they're launched supposedly from aircraft, so they have to have aircraft, NATO aircraft, to launch these things. Um, and it's all talk. there's there's just talk. Basically, what's happening in Ukraine is that Russia's gearing up for a pretty serious offensive. The, the thing that people have wanted Russia to do from the very beginning, at least the people who are pro-Russian in this conflict, uh, what they wanted wanted them to do from the beginning, and what Ukrainians and anti-Russians have been, uh, you know, laughing or or um, ridiculing Russia for since the beginning is that they've been going very slow. Look how mm. slow and look how they're, they're not making much progress. They're crap, basically. Look how, how long it's taken them to get a few towns or small, relatively small amount of area. And what they, most people don't realize is that it's pretty clear at this point that the Russian plan, either from the beginning or shortly after the beginning, not long into the war, uh, that their plan was to attrite the Ukrainian forces uh, in terms of manpower and artillery and systems down to a point where they could then launch a much, that kind of larger offensive that everybody has wanted Russia to or expected Russia to from the beginning. They're not going to do that against a well-equipped large army because they're just going to you know, lose a lot of troops and a lot of uh, artillery. They take as long as they need uh, to break it down and to reduce those numbers of troops, re- Ukrainian troops and, and, and weapon systems down to a point where you can do a large offensive, i.e. two, three hundred thousand soldiers, two, three thousand tanks, uh, um, aircraft, and obviously missiles and that kind of stuff where you do the proper one. And it looks like, it seems to me anyway, that at this point that the opportunity is ripe for them, them to try and do, basically create a kind of cauldron in a, in a certain sense that, I mean, there's, been different people who have been putting forward this idea mm. that this they're going to do. They're going to have an offensive, a major offensive down from the north, from the east, and from the south as well to try and basically encircle all of the troops along the front line, which is the majority of active, capable Ukrainian troops. And to, you know, so it would be quite a wide encirclement of the of the, the line of contact or the, 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 the front line along the, more mm. or less along Donbass and Luhansk to go in behind that and cut all the supply routes and then after they're sure the that nothing can come from behind them in the west over the over the Dnieper river yeah well in and in response to that what the, the ukrainians and the nato uh, are aware that that's that's the russian plan and their kind of uh, response to that seems to be that if that happens they're going to you know if it gets down to the wire where ukraine looks like it's going to lose and russia is going to quote unquote win um that they will attack they need to have the capability of attacking Crimea, a okay. wholesale attack on Crimea from Ukraine. Yes, from with within the Ukraine. latest best weapons, missiles, Western whatever. weapons. And the, the Ukrainians may have an offensive up from the or from where they are now in the Zaporizhia region down towards the the coast to try and cut off uh, the land bridge, basically Russia's land bridge to Crimea. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see, but something's going to happen before the end of this month, I think. Because we've got another two or three weeks anyway, and it looks like it's gearing up to for something like that to happen. So uh, that's where we're going. So it's all in play, and then this whole Russia business, and then the balloons and the alien balloons, and people freaking out. You know, notice that from that story when the one was spotted over Japan, mm. it gave rise on social media to talk about UFOs mm-hmm. and Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> it's weird, you know. Balloons seem to be a thing. Like, I mean, of course, it's not just balloons because you know the Pentagon has been releasing videos over the past few years from actual aircraft uh, and, and video video cameras from within military aircraft because they've seen remember the TikTok video and stuff and the commentary about wow, look at that thing, look at how it's moving, blah blah. blah. There's lots of preparation. Uh, has been lots of preparation 
that has, has been very public. It was carried in CNN everywhere. I mean, all the mainstream media carried those reports of U.S. aviators in the air watching what are clearly UFOs, and the and the Pentagon simply coming out and saying these. This is one of the uh, one example of the many, several few dozen reports that we have uh, that we can't explain. So it's like. It's sitting there in plain sight, basically, you know, is what I'm saying. Uh, at any time, if someone wanted to announce that aliens, space aliens, are real in whatever way they would want to do that, they would find a receptive yeah, population here. People go to it. It's one of the go. Like, yeah, one of the first reactions to the spate of them this week, one of the strongest reactions I saw on social media was, Beware, I know what they're up to. Beware Project Bluebeam. This is the deep state, the powers that be, and or the US government preparing people for a fake alien invasion, which right. they'll use to justify a crackdown. Blah, blah, blah. So people are, talk about jumping the gun, people are ready to jump all the way because, and, yeah, they're prepared. And they're, and they're aware not of the only, kinds of things that can happen. Not only are they aware, has the ground prepared? in that way, by public release of information that nobody can dispute, really. No reasonable person can dispute. They're just left scratching their head. And and in that way, they, the possibility of, quote-unquote, space aliens uh, being real is left open to them at the very least. It's not this completely shuttered mind now where it's the domain of crazy, kooky conspiracy theorists. It has been opened. Um, but short of an official recognition of it, it's still not going to happen, right, or some official announcement. But the other thing that's missing in, in that context seem, it seems to be um, suffering. Because it seems to me that if you think about religious people, when, like, there's a lot of people on social media you probably noticed in recent years who have increasingly be talk, been talking about how the world is fucked, basically. The world has gone to hell. It's screwed. Mm-hmm. And people even make reference to aliens. If aliens were to come in now, they'd probably just walk away because this place is a yeah. nightmare. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, and that's a reflection of kind of like, you know, objective observation of the the kind of downward trend, social, cultural, political trends over the past number of years where things have definitely turned into, increasingly become a, a bit of a shit show and a corrupt, dystopian type world, at least compared to how it was before. And that's a certain level of suffering. And there's increasing amount of suffering going on as well, obviously, with wars and natural disasters, earthquakes. And if things get worse and I think they will uh, where people start to a lot more people start to suffer in very real ways um, when people suffer um, the first traditionally on this planet when they suffer the first thing they look to is authorities to solve the problem for them to stop the suffering but if it gets so bad where people have just lost all faith things are so bad on so many different fronts and they've lost faith, faith also in government the next thing they turn to, if they're religious minded, is they start praying to Jesus and hoping that Jesus will come back and save them if they believe in that kind of a, a prophecy. But for atheists who don't have that, they're not going to go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. What could be offered to them as a savior of mankind? A, 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 a shoe in or a replacement for a substitute for uh, for traditional save me Jebus. Save me. Balloon, balloon man, save me, save me, balloon lords, save me, lords of the of the balloon. <coughs> so maybe, but that's that's we'll have to wait and see if that's where it's going to go. But we don't know. Anyway, just just you know, pay attention, keep your eyes open, and uh, 
don't be believing anything, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, main, everyone hold the line. Maintain all cynicism on all. Yes, the, absolutely. All maintain, <laughs> maintain your cynical attitude. Don't believe anything and question everything. And laugh at it too. And have a good fun. Have have good fun laughing at uh, the nonsense. Trying to get can. one of those balloons uh, on Amazon. Yeah, I think they said currently unavailable. Maybe they're out already. No, that's only because from here. Oh, would be sh- it was on Amazon.com. Okay. Wait. Have a look. We need to get balloons and just get the balloons. Write some Chinese characters on it. That means take away or something, but it'll yeah. look imposing. So oh. Pentagon will think it means we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We're going to leave it there for this week, folks. We uh, a bit shorter than usual, but we have uh, something to go and do. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, listening, and commenting. Don't forget to smash all the buttons. We'll be back next week with another show, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of nonsense that'll be happening between now and then. So we'll be bringing you, up bringing you up to date on it. Uh, so until then, have a good one. See you later. Till next week. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.